Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Crushing Real Estate with Brian Pham, where we interview real estate professionals around the industry. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a very positive review. We release an episode every single Sunday, so stay tuned. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Crushing in Real Estate. Today we have a very special guest. His name is Jason Shaw. Jason is a meetup host in the Bay Area. He's a real estate agent, and he's also a real estate developer in Southern California. Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, Brian. How's it going? Thanks for your time and all you do for your audience. Definitely. Hey, Jason, can you tell us about yourself? Yeah, my name is Jason Shao. I currently just recently moved to Los Angeles area, but I used to be in Sunnyvale. Um, I joke with people that I am what happened when you reached that to report too early. I read it in high school and I started by house hacking before the term was even coined in college, essentially wow. with a two bedroom condo. <laughs> um, and you know, run out the other, lived in one, run out the other one, cover expenses with some beer money left over kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, uh, I went to University of Texas in Austin. It was in Austin. Okay. So UT Austin, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you did your first house hack over there? Yeah. I mean, that was before it was a thing, you know, it was just, a, um, you know, my sister, it was about two years, uh, ahead of me and then so we overlapped a year and then i basically said okay well after you move out i'm gonna rent out this other place um pay back that in return and cover the expenses kind of thing okay did you how did you even come up with the idea it was just something that you came up with on your own or is someone recommended um yeah, I mean, I just kind of had the idea that, I mean, I, it wasn't something so serious. I didn't have like a full cash flow returns or IRs or anything like that. But I just, you know, it was kind of something that made sense to me that, you know, I can, I can get a little bit of extra cash. So, yeah, that sounds good, man. Um, so let's, let's walk through your timeline. So you house hacked your first property in college. Like, when, when, like, how soon after that did you start making your first real estate moves in terms of like being a real estate agent, being real estate developers? How, is that, how did that experience transgress to you being a real estate developer? Yeah, I'll take kind of a chronological order. I mean, we didn't do much, honestly, or I didn't do much. Um, you know, in the, in the downturn, we, I, we picked up a couple of foreclosure units. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was really more um, about seven years ago or so, my father bought a duplex that mm-hmm. could be repositioned, redeveloped into three units. Okay. And he had hired somebody to help him with it. But, you know, he's not really a, a developer or anything like that. He, he's really just a surveyor. He knows some stuff, but there's a lot he doesn't know. And he's basically just an idiot. and you know, we were stuck in the entitlement process for, for quite a while to a point where I kind of, I had to step in and just figure out what to do. You know, I, my mentality at the time really was just, you know, I'll be damned if I have to lose money on this deal. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, we, you know, in terms of market timing, we, we were near the bottom and we just kind of 
had rolled the market up and had that cushion. So it wasn't, uh, we didn't, we didn't hurt ourselves financially in that regards. But, you know, at the end, I was able to figure out what we needed to do and get the entitlement ready and get the permits and have a higher GC to help us build it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after that process, it was kind of, um, you know, we, I was able to, to sit back a little bit and reevaluate and, mm-hmm. you know, it was really something that I, I think overall, if I just, I just like the challenge of it, you know, it was, it was hard and, but it was not something that was typically taught in school. And I feel like I, I learned a lot that, um, not a lot of people know, um and i i would say a couple a few years after that um i think it mainly it was more for uh the tools and resources and for mm-hmm. better deal flow i started thinking about getting a license um at the same time too that you know i started going through my dad's portfolio and caught some mistakes that his agent that was using before made mm-hmm. and you know, it was something that um, I just open, I kind of felt like really who who knows about houses or real estate more than somebody that built them kind of thing mm-hmm. and decided to get my license. So right now we have a small team that help us uh, and other people buy, sell, and invest. And mm-hmm. then I have another small team that help with our development projects. Okay. Wow, that's really cool. Um, can you give us uh, a couple of, like what years that you started doing this? So I'm assuming like the bottom of the market. So that's like 2009, 2010, where you started, you know, taking over your dad's portfolio. And, and what, and what you mean by we, so initially we is meeting you and your dad, right? And then progressed to like, yeah, initially it was just, you know, my, my dad bought it and then, um, you know, he, he was putting up the capital for it and then. After that, you know, my my family and some of our friends started knowing the um I guess my dad was uh sharing the the war stories a little bit and maybe bragging a little bit about what I did for him. Um so <laughs> there'll be some other friends that or family that says, Oh hey, can you know, can we invest with you a little bit kind of thing? Yeah, I mean that's free personal branding, right? Your dad your dad like increasing your personal brand for you and creating the reputation of Jason developer. <laughs> that's good. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, that sounds really cool. So we progressed forward. You're a real estate agent, you know, you did a couple of house hack in college. Like how did you take that step into real estate development? That sounds like a massive step, but I, I'm not even sure how, how people get really get into it. So I, I love, I want to hear more about that. You know, like, how'd you get, yeah, I mean, it's it's like I was mentioning, you know, it, I think it was that duplex and, you know, my business partner now, it wasn't like him where he grew up in a family f- surrounded by real estate people. His uncles were, his uncle and his dad were developers and his goal and dream in life was to be a developer. And I don't, I don't want to sound or come across as like pompous or anything. It was just really honestly by mistake that, Mm-hmm. You know, because of the thing that I was trying to help my dad to exit out of, um, 
you know, whether you want to say by accident or by necessity, mm-hmm. um, we, we, we found ourselves in this situation and, um, afterwards that, you know, it was something that I enjoyed and, um, it is really fulfilling. I'm sure you can relate to when you, after you've done a flip, you put the, the difference is night and day that, um, you know, you, the sense of accomplishment versus say, you know, you finish a PowerPoint presentation at work kind of thing or some white paper uh, at, at, a, at a W-2 desk job. Yeah. I mean, when you first step into your first deal, like, first, the first question is, what deal is it? And the second question is, what kind of fears were you having, like, going through your head at the time when you're going through that first development deal? And how did you get it? Um, you want me to stay on the duplex, basically? Or? Yeah, duplex is your first actual development project in LA. Like, how do you, like, what was your mindset behind that? Like, going yeah, into- I mean, I, um, I, I came in sort of in the middle of the process, right? Mm-hmm. And I think initially I was looking at it and I, yeah, I was, I was clueless. I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, my learning style or just how how I learn about things or, you know, I think if nothing else, I'm pretty resourceful. So mm-hmm. I just started going on bigger pockets and try to read everything I can or on the, on the internet. And bigger pockets is a little bit skimming on the <clears throat> on the development side. It's more about buying holes or flips, those kind of things, smaller, smaller projects. Um, but, you know, I talked to other friends that are brokers or um, GCs, and a lot of it, honestly, is going down to the planning department really early in the morning and just asking them, hey, I'm, I'm asking a lot of dumb questions, I'm sure, but I don't know what to do. Can you help me out? Like, what's the end? Um, you know, to their credit, I think sometimes people poo-poo on government, you know, government workers kind of thing there everybody i've worked i've came across in planning department has been really helpful and you know they're trying to do a positive thing in their in their community respective communities mm-hmm. um and you know i think it was more just the reading and talking to people and sort of recollect my notes and then having very poignant questions going back to people at you know co- uh, contractors or whoever Mm-hmm. having poignant questions to try to fill in the gaps or things that are not connected. It's almost like um, going to office hours and asking a TA like, Hey, you know, I, I, I did my homework, but something's just not jiving for me. Can you help me out? And yeah. that's really more how I learned, you know, I didn't have a mentor or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of times people, Oh, I need to find a mentor. And I, I hate to say this or sound like a jerk. Like I feel like a lot of times I just cop out or excuse that like, Oh, well, I'm not, I'm not going to do this because I don't have a mentor. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're asking somebody to, to give up their time for free to teach you everything they know. Like yeah. that, why, why would anybody want to do that? Right. Yeah. But yeah. I think a lot of folks, when you come to them with specific questions, they, number one, they know how much time is going to be involved. And number two, they know how to help you instead of just like, an open like you know throw your hands up and go hey teach me everything you know i'm like okay how much time do you got yeah yeah i definitely can feel you in that one like for me at least when i ask people to for mentorship 
always make sure that I can provide them some sort of value in you know, my time or you know, my connections I have. I don't think I don't think finding a mentor should be a one way street. I definitely think it should be a two way street. So I, I know what you mean. Um, it's pretty crazy to hear that you got into real estate development basically on your own. Um, that's definitely the first time I heard that. <laughs> I talked to a couple other real estate developers developers out there and they all seem like they took some sort of courses or just you know had like mentors but for you you just dive nose in so props to you man that's really good yeah i think you know the first phase of it definitely you you're just you know you you jump both feet in the deep end and you kick and swim and as much as you can and you know the first deal honestly like you know, I, I had some performer template, but I literally went to my buddy, my butt who, who works at a real estate fund. I'm just like, look, I don't know what numbers to plug in here. Like when we were in the MBA program, it's actually easy. They give you all the numbers, but I have no idea how this is working. <laughs> and so, yeah, little by little, piece by piece, you kind of scrape together what you, what you need to know. I mean, it's not, it wasn't easy and it's not necessarily what, I would recommend people to do, yeah. um, but that's just something that I went through basically. Yeah, no problem, man. Um, so if we dive into your biggest deal, can you walk us through your biggest uh, development deal how you, that you've been a part of? Mm, biggest deal in terms of like construction, like dollar value or? Let's do dollar value. And where was it at? Mm. What was the numbers? Do you mind sharing? Yeah. So the biggest deal I'm working on right now is actually down in San Pedro where SpaceX has some um, some facilities down there. It's located in a qualified opportunity zone. So mm-hmm. that one, our exit will be somewhere between probably like 35 to $37 million. Wow. And then our food hall project is probably more in the, you know, teens or maybe 20 million exit value. Okay. Can you explain to our listeners what's the opportunity area? <clears throat> yeah, so opportunity zone is a section of the 2017 Tax Act and uh, tax, I forgot the actual name, but the Tax and Jobs Act of 2017 that the government, similar to 1031 Exchange, they wanted to encourage people to invest in specific areas. And in exchange, they'll give the investor kind of a tax cut. Um, so the federal government worked with each state governor to designate the areas that they feel like that need the reinvestment. And the first part of it is a little bit opaque. Like it's not really sure how it was came about. Was it using medium income or was there some politics behind it? Mm-hmm. Um, but with these areas, essentially, if um, if you have a property and you put it in a fund, a, a QOZ fund, mm-hmm. um, you can defer your capital gains. Um, if you hold it for five years, you can defer it to, uh, you can reduce your tax to capital gains based by 5% if you hold it for seven years. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, let me, um, I, I misspoke. If you hold it for five years, you can reduce your tax basis by 10 percent and then if you hold it for seven meaning seven total two more years mm-hmm. um you can reduce it for another five more percent up to 15 
Oh, wow. And then if you hold it for 10 years, um, there's basically on year eight, it's uh, April 15th of year eight is when you actually have to pay your actual capital gain tax, um, the 85 remaining percent. And then if you hold it for 10 years, then your um, your the whole gain from that um, is completely tax free. Oh wow, that's crazy! And there's a lot of uh, there's a lot more details or things to watch out for because the the IRS went through multiple rounds of feedback from you know industry experts and tax mm-hmm. experts to avoid people from gaining gain, uh, gaming this kind of thing. Um, so there's you know there's yeah there's a lot more details to it. I can get into some of this. Um, but for folks that are interested in this, I would still recommend they check, double check with their, uh, qualified tax attorney or CPA. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. So going back to the San Pedro property in Southern California, how did you find this deal? What was your mindset as you like saw this deal? What were you thinking? Like, okay, like how do you know that this land deal is a good deal or not? Yeah, there. I think you, in general, you know, I start from a top-down approach, and for us, we actually started this um, about March last year when when the whole QZ topic came about. And at that time, there were there were it was still very vague. And I basically told my partner, "Hey, like, you know, I don't want to form an investment thesis just on this, but if it's a good deal." Um, we'll do it regardless. It's just sort of a cherry on top. I just want to make sure the tail is not wagging the dog on this. Mm-hmm. And we came across a deal down there. Um, we we bid on it. We didn't get it. Uh, another bigger developer um, got the parcel uh, instead of us. And then we lost on a second deal. Mm-hmm. And um, basically the, the parcel across the street we just we just so happened that we caught when they're selling, so we submitted an offer and they they agreed to it. <clears throat> um, so that's kind of just from a transaction standpoint. You know, we were we got we caught a little bit lucky break, but that was because we were working hard and we had a pulse on what what's happening. How much was and, that lot for? You don't mind me asking. I'm sorry. How much was that lot of land? Um, uh, uh, the law we purchased for 1.75 million. Okay, 1.75. Okay. Yeah, and then so overall, I think you know when I'm evaluating a market, I definitely look at the fundamentals first. What mm-hmm. you know, what if there's prospects of job growth, population growth, and what else is going on in the area? And you know, because there's I don't know, maybe a thousand qualified opportunity zones and. I don't care if it's 10 years or a million years. Some of those doesn't, <laughs> a lot of those actually don't have a lot of prospect. Yeah. Um, but, you know, definitely things like, you know, parts of Oakland, San Jose, and the downtown Portland is in, the, or parts of downtown Oakland, or sorry, Portland is in, in a QZ for whatever reason. And San Pedro, it was very, encouraging because we can see what the port of Los Angeles is doing, what the city is mm-hmm. doing. Um, and, you know, we see what other developers are, who, who we lose out to actually, mm-hmm. and um, what the other developers are up to. So we could see kind of um, where the trend is going and where, uh, what we call path of progress. 
that you know it does require a little bit of imagination or vision mm-hmm. um but you know we uh we could we could just see yeah. what San Pedro would be in 10 years i mean you know in 2017 it was voted uh, the best neighborhood in in Los Angeles it was it kind of dubbed the last affordable beach town in in SoCal kind of thing mm-hmm. So going back, you purchased it for one point um, seven five. I know you know you can't exactly use hard money on development properties. Did you come up with the money yourself, or did you fundraise money for this deal? How did you fund the land itself as you're getting into? Yeah, time? for this one, right? For this one, we um, we had a couple of private investors lined up that potentially was going to you know basically help us take down the land and. Mm-hmm. Um, be our be be our main LP kind of thing. Mm-hmm. How did you find these private investors? They just well, they're they're family and friends. So uh, I don't know if you want to say we found them or they found us. <laughs> so it's a good thing when they find you first, you know, saves you some pain. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think a lot of things like this. Just um, I still try to tell myself or remind myself to be patient that you know. Over, over time these kind of things will come and you'll build it up because i mean honestly if you asked me 15 years ago when i was having two bedroom condos this is what i'd be doing i'd tell you you're you're smoking something funny yeah definitely can we walk over and how you structure these deals in terms of like gathering private <clears throat> money and then going on getting construction loan like how did you structure everything it sounds crazy to me Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this one, um, I'll I'll use some rough numbers, um, you know, round, rounding up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, um, we're we're creating a qualified opportunity zone fund, and then we're creating a joint venture between my partner and I that mm-hmm. will become the manager of it, um, and then we'll have a separate entity that holds the actual uh, asset and the third. Uh, and yeah, and then so essentially the capital sacks looked about um, 10, 11 million will be equity, and then about another 10 or 11 going to be um, the construction debt portion of it that we're going to roll over to a permanent loan after we stabilize the property. Okay. Wow. So it's like an LPGP kind of structure. Kind of like a syndication. Yeah, it's, it's pretty. Yeah, right, you're right. It's uh, fairly, um, fairly standard structure of a of a syndication. There's the GP that we are in charge of um, executing and operating the day to day, and then mm-hmm. there are the LPs that you know they get an X amount of preferred and um, certain uh, percentage on the on the back end kind of thing. I can speak more on what we're proposing. But probably for SEC purposes, uh, purposes, it probably should. Okay. Yeah. No problem. Yeah, we can totally glance over that. I'm just, I'm just kind of, kind of curious too, because I know like syndications pay out in like five year cycles and value adds. I'm not sure if like a construction type of partnership loan, whatever, <clears throat> would pay out five years. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's development deals you can syndicate this as well, and you know, you you still, you know, you pay the um, you pay the preferred up up front or sorry in the beginning, and then um, when you refi or you, you know whatever event that you have, 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, construction projects take longer to stabilize to actually hit, hit cash flow kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but other than that, you know, and this one's a little bit more unique because of the QZ nature and it's designed for a 10 year hold. Mm-hmm. Um, but the good thing with one, uh, the, the latest round of guidance in April, the government did give people the opportunity if they want to sell their QOZ project within mm-hmm. a year to roll into another QOZ fund without triggering the tax consequence. Oh, so, wow. you know, our plan is to hold it for 10 years, uh, but if it makes sense where we can increase the returns for our investors and roll into another project, that's not out of the question. Okay. Wow. Sounds really amazing, man. And how long does this project usually take? You know, I know you mentioned you're a holder for 10 years, but how long until like we purchase the land, get it entitled, get it built? Like what's that time period like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we actually just closed this at the beginning of uh, like late June, beginning of July kind of thing. And then we had the surveyor went out. And our architects are working on the schematics and the design right now to where we can submit into the city um, probably mid to late September. Wow. Um, and the timeline is a little, you know, it's a little loose, but um, from our experience and as we can expedite things, you know, I think there's a, there's a fee you can pay. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking to get our letter of decision like next spring kind of thing. And then, from there in LA, uh, you then actually go into plan check and that'll take, probably take another three months. Mm-hmm. So hopefully sometime by like next August or September, we'll kind of break ground. And um, another interesting thing about this project too, is we are planning to go with prefab construction, mm-hmm. um, wow. which, you know, it's not, um, it's, it's it, the end product looks basically the same, so it'll just save us a lot of time and um, mm-hmm. hopefully some cost savings as well. On average, you know, you'll probably save maybe 10, 15, maybe 20 percent. Okay. Um, but instead of an 18 month construction timeline, we're essentially doing this in about nine or eight, even. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, I, I, I have looked into modular development as well. And it seems like there's a lot of modular companies around California. There's also a lot of modular buildings built in China as well. Are you working with a local modular factory or company or like something abroad? Yeah, we've we've had, um, you know, I've kind of networked or branched out to some architects and some of these modular builders ahead of time. One, just more for curiosity kind of thing. And to really sort of dig in my wall before I'm thirsty. And I, I foresaw the, a chance or there's a likelihood that I will be doing a prefab project mm-hmm. at some point. Um, and I, I think it's, it's me, especially my background, my, my family business, we're in manufacturing. So essentially, you're, you know, you, it's, it's like a production line of these like housing units or housing pods. Mm-hmm. And we're we're potentially we've talked to Factory OS out of Vallejo, and then we've talked to two other guys okay. here in SoCal, um, one's out of Rialto and one's out of uh, Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, we're just so it's a little too early to to talk to like have something more 
formal than that. Yeah, um, I mean, we like tour we tour their facilities, those kind of things. Yeah. Um, it's pretty cool. I I don't think it's. I mean, there's certain archetypes where they they would design and build everything modular. Right? I think uh-huh. it's one of these things where it it has its pay, place, and you know it's um you I mean you're not gonna. I wouldn't recommend people to do the modular home build in, in Palo Alto. Like mm-hmm. construction and real estate is still very yeah. custom. And you have to everyone's the market for that one. Mm-hmm. You can only yeah, but, you know, like Oakland or other areas that that could support the modular system. And you go to like more yeah, high. Yeah, I mean, I think a small, mid-sized apartment definitely makes sense. Oakland makes a lot of sense. Um, there's actually one company we talked to uh, called Rad Urban. Mm-hmm. They have designed it to where you can go much, much higher because they're putting in essentially like two support, two giant support columns, mm-hmm. and then they wrap the the pod around it to go to able to go much higher. Because otherwise, um, you know, modular on its own, um, you know, you're probably, I think you're you're limited to probably like five stories. But you can, you know, you can put a podium uh, level on the first floor and get it to six. But, you know, because of the structural um, support aspect of it, there's still limitations with modular construction. Okay. Yeah, that's really cool. Wow. Thank you for diving deep into that and letting us know about that. I appreciate it. Hey, Jason, we want to get more, we want to know more about you, man. Like, what keeps you motivated like from day to day and what keeps you like wanting to achieve the next goal? How does Jason work? Uh, I, well, I mean, I don't know what, if there's an easy way to put it. I mean, I think, you know, getting up every morning, I think it's just similar to what I said before for the, for the challenge of it. Um, you know, obviously I have a responsibility to our investors and I don't, I think, um, you know, I, I maybe kind of sick and twisted like, in my, in my mind, you know, I, I almost enjoy people telling me some, what I can't do. You know, mm-hmm. I, I feel like for it's a lot of people that might that might tear them down mentally or psychologically but mm-hmm. you know i i love it when people tell me you know what you can't do this or like um you know you're not good enough and i love being able to turn around and tell them watch this momo like um so um other than that you know i think it it's fortunate that I found something that I enjoyed and I kind of have a knack for and I get to apply different aspects of my, my skills or things I've picked up along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think, you know, there was a, there was a time in my life, um, both personally and professionally, and you kind of sort of, I was kind of trying to figure out what I, want to do and I just never really felt comfortable being just a marketer or you know just a certain title um at a at a at a job I think my resume you can see is not necessarily like a collection of titles or um whatever fortune 500 companies I I interview with a VC too and 
he he was confused. He looked at me and he's like, "Are you a finance person or are you a, are you a marketing person?" <laughs> and I looked at him. I'm like, "I don't know what to tell you. I'm a business person." And I felt like I need to like I did equities trading straight out of college, mm-hmm. and there were just different jobs that interest me at the time, and there's different things I felt like I wanted to pick up along the way, um, and even though similar to your question earlier, like I didn't know this is where I was going to end up, but mm-hmm. a lot of times you kind of just, you know, you take a step forward and um, it might sound kind of corny, but um, I think a lot of times you might feel lost, but you are where you're meant to be. And um, for bright people and people that are working hard, I do believe they'll end up where um, where they're meant to be. As I sometimes say that, you know, if you're on the right track, the stars align to guide you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, fortunately for this, that things kind of, you know, it didn't seem like things were going our way at the time, but it's just through whatever life circumstances that uh, led to led to this road yeah i agree with that man like sometimes the universe works in a very funny way you know like sometimes i feel like every rejection just takes me somewhere that i I am meant to be you know and i think that's that's true for a lot of things you do right i mean i'm personally myself i can relate a lot to that sometimes i would get rejected from jobs when i was younger hindsight looking back it was like oh wow like, i'm so glad i got rejected from that job because i was i was pushed into a situation that was, that was better for my skill set and personality you know and very similar yeah to, like i i didn't know i was gonna end up in real estate you know like it just happened that i happened to be the right the right time right place you know so everything you said like it really hits home a little bit too because like that i can resonate with that a lot so I, I, I yeah, I mean, I think a lot of times, you know, it's, it's like I said, life is funny, and um, I I do believe in getting up every morning and enjoying the beautiful struggle, whatever profession or what's going on in your life. But mm-hmm. um, I think uh, the best anybody can do is try to leverage their experience, and a lot of times, you know, everybody has something unique, something special about them that they have that superpower that makes them better than anybody else mm-hmm. whether it's a flipper or an agent or a developer right like mm-hmm. i mean my my wife and i we, we we talked about this we joked about this one time too because she said she thought about applying to ut but she didn't end up going there and she asked me if she had will we maybe wind up together? And I actually told her, probably not the answer she was looking for. I told her probably not because <laughs> we were both very different people then. Yeah. And, you know, it, but fortunately because of the, the life experiences that we had that led to us being the people that we are now that we, you know, that, that, um, that we both decided this is who we want to spend the rest of our lives with. And, become whoever we are meant to be yeah i like that man it's, that's that's how the universe works whenever you want your goals so bad the stars are aligned to help you you know i always feel i always feel that way too hey jason as you're ending the near the uh, as you're you're nearing the end of the podcast can we talk a little bit about what's um what's your favorite book jason 
my favorite book. Mm-hmm. Um, oh gosh. Um, <laughs> so the tip, the, the more like PC answer I'll give is how to win friends and influence people. Again, like, I don't know what got into me that summer between high school and college. I actually took the Del Carrey training course. Okay. Um, I, I mean, my, my dad encouraged me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually went back as a graduate assistant to teach that class as well. I think mm-hmm. it's just so beneficial and so powerful to, um, I, I mean, people is, a, people is a funny creature, but that book really helps you understand kind of like, yeah. How people how work. to interact and how to what you know like it just it just how to appeal to human nature and mm-hmm. uh, understand how people work and how to work together kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but the other answer I really wanted to say was actually Dr. Seuss, "All the Places <laughs> You Go." I I actually have given that out multiple times as a graduation gift to my friends. Um, I mean, it might sound silly as a kid's book, but there's actually um, a lot of things that you can read into and take away as an adult to, um, I guess, relates to our conversation to, Mm -hmm. you know, charting your own course and carving out your own path. Yeah, definitely, man. I like that. Hey, Jason, how can our listeners reach out to you and find you? Yeah, you can find me. I have a website that from time to time I blog about real estate tips or write-ups from our meetup. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's at jasonshow.com. My last name is Phil Weir. It's H-S-I-A-O. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find out our company and our portfolio uh, at www.investwithshaw.com. And that's spelled, again, differently. S-H-A-W, Invest with Shaw. Um, you can hear about our food hall project at www.fundorapublicmarket.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also on social media. Um, if you, or, you know, if, if you can check out our project on social media as well, if you want to send me a message, you know, if you want to add me, send me a little message to say like, what's up kind of thing. Cause mm-hmm. I, there are a lot of sort of random people and I have a six month old baby. Sometimes I, I'm becoming a little bit more picky about who I accept. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you for your time, Jason. We really appreciate it, man. All right. Thanks, man. All right. Thank you.